Dingoes. 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 Yeah. Dingoes. 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 Yeah. Dingoes. 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 Yeah. Dingoes. 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 Yeah. Oh, hey, welcome back to the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. (laughs) I'm Paul, and I'm still not an animal expert. Back with another, another, why did I say it like that? Back with another (laughs) solo episode. Oh, we got off to a silly start. Today I'm talking about the dingo, uh, another Australian animal. Donna and I will be together again with another episode uh, very soon, but for now, just me talking about dingoes. But first, the news. This is Varman's Headline News with your anchorman, some guy named Paul. Oh, thank you, Matthew. We've all seen those big inflatable tube men like outside of car dealerships and stores. They will they'll rent those because they're big and they wave around like crazy and they get your attention. But scientists in Australia are using them to scare away dingoes. A new study suggests that the unpredictable movements of these big dancing weird things could keep wild dingoes away from killing livestock. Dingoes cost farmers about $60 million in damages every year. And typically, the dingoes are either shot or poisoned or trapped, but because dingoes are apex predators, they affect the entire food chain, from animals to plants. For instance, if they didn't hunt kangaroos, kangaroo populations would explode, and the land would be overgrazed, and that affects everything that else that depends on those plants for survival. It just creates all kinds of problems. Other non-lethal methods of scaring the dingoes away, like high-pitched sounds and big colorful flags, don't work either because the dingoes just kind of get acclimated to those things and they continue being dingoes and doing what dingoes do. Bradley Smith, who is an animal behaviorist at Central Queensland University, got a hold of one of these big flappy inflatable men and he had it set up at a dingo sanctuary in an exercise yard with a bowl full of dry dog food. And in a separate experiment, the researchers replaced the tube man with a speaker that played gunshot noises. Nine out of 12 dingoes ran away from the tube men as soon as they saw it, while only one ran away from the gunshot noises. Uh, This is nothing new, by the way. Tube men have been used in Oregon for the past two years to deter wolves. And even though these tube men aren't very effective for very large areas, they could be useful for keeping dingoes away from, like, small farms and campgrounds. So those big flappy tube men that you see (laughs) outside of car dealerships Being used in scientific experiments is pretty cool. Well, just a reminder to go to varmints.podbean.com for links to the audio and our show notes for today's episode. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at varmintspodcast, all one word, and at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, and suggestions. We have a Pinterest that one of our listeners takes care of, and you can put varmints into the search engine there. And we also have 
wonderful merch at Redbubble. We have shirts and stickers and leggings and shower curtains and basically whatever you want. If you want something with our logo on it, you don't know where to find it. It's probably at Redbubble and we can probably get it for you. If you like this show, why not tell a friend about us and introduce them to the podcast? That would be the best thing ever. Like reviews are great, but word of mouth, that's the very best way to help us grow. And we are everywhere that podcasts can be found. So, you know, Spotify, your Pandora's, your Google podcasts, your, your, uh, what else is there? Uh, CB radio. Uh, no, not really. <laughs> everywhere you can get podcasts, you can find this show. <laughs> All right. Well, let's learn about dingoes. Have you ever wondered about animals? What do they look like? Where do they live? Why are some of their legs also hands? Well, we have. So it's time to learn about animals. So we're talking about dingoes today. The dingo is a native to Australia and is a member of the Canidae family along with foxes and wolves. And I have to admit something to you. Um, me and Donna were talking about doing this episode together, and we just couldn't find enough information to for both of us to talk about a dingo for an entire episode. And what I told Donna was, eh, turns out it's just another wild dog. Well, I was wrong, completely wrong. Uh, according to a 2019 study by Flinders University, 20 leading researchers have confirmed in a new study that the dingo is actually a unique Australian species in its own right. The co-author of this study is Professor Corey Bradshaw, and he said, We show that dingoes have survived in Australia for thousands of years, subject to the rigors of natural selection, thriving in all terrestrial habitats, and largely in the absence of human intervention or aid. The dingo is without a doubt a native Australian species. It's thought that dingoes were introduced to Australia around 4,000 years ago, and this animal is a really great example of how natural selection just kind of does its thing in a relatively short amount of time. And so there's a few examples of this. A dingo's jaws open extremely wide, wider than your average dog. They also have large, uh, larger, sharper teeth that are slightly gapped, so they don't really experience any of the dental overcrowding, like some of your domestic dog species do. Their ears move independently of one another, like a lot of dogs, and their heads have a much greater range of motion than many canids. They can turn their heads nearly 180 degrees, uh, so there's really no sneaking up on a dingo. And physically, they're just amazing. They have these very lean, strong, very muscular, but very flexible bodies. They can rotate their wrists and voluntarily subluxate or partially dislocate their hips. Now, if my dog or your dog has subluxated hips, we need to take them in because uh, they need veterinary help because that's not good. But this is just something that a dingo can just do if it needs to do uh, because dingoes do climb up and down trees. They're really good at it and they need stability and speed over rough terrain. So they've adapted these really wonderful little qualities. Dingoes can run as fast as 37 miles an hour or 60 kilometers an hour not quite as fast as a greyhound, but really, really fast. And they can travel about 25 miles or 40 kilometers every single day. So when it comes to agility, strength, speed, endurance, uh, Dingo's stats are pretty balanced. 
most of the time wild dogs like dingoes are thought of as pests because like I mentioned, they do a fair amount of damage to farms and livestock. But dingoes are a keystone species, which means that they protect mammal biodiversity and they're the most significant constraint on the destructive power of exotic predators in Australia, specifically feral cats and introduced foxes and hogs. Those animals really impact the environment significantly and, and very badly, and dingoes will very happily eat them. Male and female dingoes are just called male and female dingoes, and their young are called pups. They live in packs with a social structure, so a group of them is just called a pack. Makes sense. The word dingo comes from the Darug language used by the indigenous Australians of the Sydney area, and it means tame dog, which suggests that they were at least able to coexist with people at one point. They are also called warrigals, which is another Darug word that means wild dog. So I guess <laughs> I guess whether you called them a dingo or a warrigal kind of just depended on what sort of mood you were in, if they were a tame dog or a wild dog. Dingoes are listed as vulnerable by the IUCN. Uh, they, as, as I mentioned, they are shot and poisoned and otherwise killed by people. But the biggest problem, and the reason that they're vulnerable, is that they are sexually compatible with other canid species. So they can breed with feral dogs and produce dingo-dog hybrids. It's thought that most dingoes in the wild right now are no longer purebred dingoes. Right now, to be categorized as an Australian dingo, that animal has to have at least 93% genetic purity. And stopping or reversing this hybridization is likely to be impossible across most or all of mainland Australia. So right now, there are conservation programs for dingoes, but within 50 to 100 years, pure dingoes will likely become extinct Regardless of any conservation or attempts to reverse this hybridization, it's kind of a done deal and it's really sad. In the United States, the Fort Wayne Children's Zoo in Indiana, the Cleveland Metro Park Zoo in Ohio, and the Prospect Park Zoo in New York are all AZA accredited and you can go there and see dingoes up close and in person. Well, we want to take a minute and thank our Patreon supporters. This show is always going to be ad-free. I, I made that choice earlier in the year, uh, and I'm sticking with it. I don't want to, like, I don't want to take a break to try to sell you a mattress or food box or a Audible subscription. We're just going to be listener-supported, and we do that through Patreon. Patreon.com slash varmints. We also give you little extra goodies for supporting us, so you'll get stickers and magnets, and I do a little... YouTube video series where I eat weird things and sometimes I cook actual food. So you do get some benefits, you get early releases, uh, and that's how we support the show. That's how we pay for hosting and all that good stuff is through Patreon, patreon.com slash varmints. Hey there everyone, Paul and Donna are a couple of nerds just like you and they don't get to see animals up close and in person very often. So let's talk about where we all see them most of the time, on movies, TV, comic books, toys and video games. So the phrase, a dingo ate my baby is a line that you hear once in a while in pop culture 
it's a meme or a trope. Is it a trope or is it a meme? It's a thing that you hear every once in a while on shows like Seinfeld. I know he's here somewhere. Ellen, have you seen my fiance? He's upstairs. Are you going upstairs? Tell my fiance I'm looking for him. <laughs> I have lost my fiance, the poor baby. <laughs> Maybe the dingo ate your baby. <laughs> The dingo ate your baby. <laughs> and here is Simon Baker on the Conan O'Brien show talking about, you know, things that Australians are probably sick of hearing. Put another shrimp on the barbie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm Australian. That's, that's really and great. And if that one didn't get a laugh, they'd be like, Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> I would have just said Australian for beer. I would have just said I'm deathly allergic to shellfish. <laughs> Please don't bring it up. Here's the other one. That's not a knife. This is a knife. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the big one. Oh, we could go on. We could go on. We could go on, and we will go on. <laughs> I've got 60 more. Look at that kangaroo. Um, <laughs> Now I'm becoming a Cockney chimney sweep. That's what I, I was trying could, to do. I don't think you could go on. I think that's it. I think that's that's Australia's. That, that's all Look, the water's going down the drain the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> a dingo ate my baby. A dingo ate my baby. Yeah, the dingo ate my baby. Very good. Don't challenge us. Sorry. How dare you I challenge us? I thought that us. was it. I forgot about the dingo and the baby. <laughs> I love a crowd just cheered, a dingo ate my baby. <laughs> so that is a reference to the case of a missing nine-week-old baby called Azaria Chamberlain, who disappeared while on a camping trip at Uluru with her family. Her mother claimed that a dingo took the baby. A cursory search online turned up eight different podcasts covering the case, so if you're into true crime, you can go listen to one of those there's also a 1988 movie called A Cry in the Dark starring Meryl Streep that you can go watch. I am not going to go into too many details and turn this into a true crime podcast. I'm just telling you where that line came from because you do see it in memes or hear it once in a while in pop culture. So, there you go. Mummy, what's for dinner? It's the elbow of a snake. Mummy, I can't eat that. Well... Would you eat that? Well, I am not going to eat any dingoes anytime soon, probably anytime ever. Uh, what does eat dingoes? Well, as an apex predator in the Australian ecosystem, an adult dingo really doesn't have natural predators, especially when it's protected by the entire pack. However, large predators such as crocodiles, jackals, and birds of prey they can still pick off uh, young and unprotected dingoes. And sometimes dingoes will die from snake bites and buffalo or cattle attacks. But really, nothing nothing really eats dingoes on a regular basis. You have to be either, you know, if you're a dingo, you have to be either really young or too close to a water hole uh, where a crocodile can chomp you. But not a whole lot bothers dingoes out in the out in Australia. 
Paul, Donna, it's me, Toph. Hey, buddy. Is your brain a repository of useless information like mine is? Yup. Of course it is. Let's help you win that next trivia night. Or just sound smarter than the rest of the room. With this, the Animal Fact of the Week. Australia is home to the longest fence in the world. It is 3,000 miles long, and it is called the Dingo Fence. It was originally constructed in the 1880s to deter the spread of rabbits, but in the early 1900s it was renovated to keep dingoes away from sheep farms. It's about six feet tall, so just a little bit taller than a dingo can jump, and it is built with a combination of wire mesh and electric fence. It began as a success, but there were some unintended consequences. So on the side of the fence that is protected from dingoes, rabbit and uh, kangaroo and emu numbers have increased because there's nothing to eat them. And what has happened there is that they are overgrazing on the sheep's pastures. So the sheep are protected from the dingoes, but they are now entered into this big furry Hunger Games situation. And as I mentioned before, dingoes are very, very effective at at removing foxes and feral cats from Australia. And even though they are very opportunistic when it comes to eating things, and they would probably take a sheep here or there, they'd also take out a lot of these animals that are absolutely just destroying Australia's environment. The fence is not 100% effective. Feral camels can just bash right through them and put holes in them. And those holes are places where dingoes can crawl through to get to the other side. There are 23 full-time employees that maintain the fence. They patch up holes, that sort of thing. Australia spends about a million dollars every year to maintain this fence, which, as we said, saves the farming industry a lot of money, anywhere between 30 and 60 million dollars. But it also keeps dingoes from controlling these invasive animals that are really messing up Australia. And it's all, it's, it's a big, what to do with this fence is a very, very messy situation. Just as a structure by itself, it's honestly, it's amazing. So I'm in Southwest Florida, and if that fence started in my backyard, the end of that fence would end somewhere around Vancouver, Canada, which is incredible. Farmers love it, I guess. Um, should it exist at all? I don't know. I <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, I don't know. Let me know what you think. If if the dingo fence should exist at all, I I'm gonna stop right there. Well, that is gonna do that for this episode today. This little mini episode about dingoes. I hope you enjoyed it. Donna and I will be together again very, very soon. This show is brought to you with technical support by Matthew Chomo, bed music by Kevin McLeod. Our logo was created by the very talented Imran Javed. Our vocal talent today was Chris Green, Stacey and Frosty, and Justine and Santiago. It's time for the Rugrat Corner. We have a Rugrat today. If you have a Rugrat that's eight years of age or younger that wants to be on the podcast, send us a message on Facebook. Or email us at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for details. We make it super easy for your Rugrat to hear their voice on the podcast. Like today. Today, we have Otis. Actually, you heard, you already heard Otis. Otis was the, uh, the uh, creator of the epic dingo song that you heard at the beginning of the show. Otis has something more to say about dingoes. My name is Otis Messerschmitt. I... I'm going to talk about dingoes.
dingoes are cool. Really cool. Yes. They they hide in dens and live in dens. They take care of their children. The sister helps take care of the babies while the 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 the, the, the mom and dad are gone. Dingoes eat kangaroos. Dingoes live in Australia. Dingoes are a wild dog. <laughs> they eat birds and stuff. Yep. <laughs> Nothing hunts them, but some things hunt dingoes pups. Right. Um. What else do we want to say about dingoes? Dingoes hunt in packs sometimes. Just sometimes. Yep. Would you want to have a pet dingo? No, they are extremely dangerous. <laughs> I don't know why the wasps crossed the dingoes because they, the wasps, wasp, wasp, wasp. Wasps, wasps, <laughs> the wasps wanted to sting the dingoes. <laughs> I'm done. All right, sounds good. Bye. Bye. <laughs> hey, the kid knows his dingoes, though. That was really, really good, Otis. Thank you so much. And that other voice you might have heard in the background was Reed Messerschmidt. He is the host of the Irrationally Exuberant, which is a podcast that is unlike anything you've ever heard in your life. It is a podcast. It is an art project. It is really, really unique and wonderful and funny. So Irrationally Exuberant, please go check that out. And thanks again, Otis. You did awesome. Thanks, everybody, again for listening. And until next time, be nice to animals. This has been a transmission of the Podfix Network. For more about this show and other great Podfix programs, go to podfixnetwork.com.